All right, sleepy. I'm feeling kind of sleepy, so I just made myself some coffee. But um, <laughs> happy That's Friday. Right. Pardon me for a pun you've probably heard a billion times. Uh, welcome to the podcast. Please Thanks introduce yourself. Me. Yeah, absolutely. Please introduce yourself Appreciate to our audience. Yeah, my, um, my nickname, they call me Sleepy. And I've uh, been in an entertainment marketing business um, for... It's actually going to be our 30 year anniversary, but um, we were started out in uh, intertwining music and uh, marijuana legalization efforts um, from back in 1999 and worked through a lot of doing a lot of marches and legalization rallies and Weed Fest and Cricket Hill and Normal and Amsterdam and many different things. Um, but, um, you know, as of recently, we are. Um, working ourselves into the cannabis uh, business in Illinois. And um, one of the uh, ventures we have is a, a cannabis transportation uh, company, which is part of a lawsuit with the, against the state of Illinois. Um, also been, uh, you know, frequent in uh, real estate business. So I'm doing developments in relation to uh, cannabis businesses and trying to get that off the ground in Illinois. So I'm excited to be here today, Cole. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm excited to to chat with you. Um, we've been talking to uh, we've been talking about the lawsuit. We played the report on one of our previous episodes, and I'm looking at your Instagram right now. I see you got some reels. Do you want to set the stage, or do you want me to play one of your reels that you have on this lawsuit? No, you can go ahead and play it. You know, I try to uh, have my guys take uh, the information and put it into a different format. That's uh, like uh, available for a different wider reach in the audience and the internet, like TikTok and Reels and uh, Shorts and YouTube stuff like that. Hell yeah, hell yeah, cool. Well, I will play that right now. That's good stuff, by the way. Um, like that you're that you're able to have a team to help you do that. I got to do that all, all that shit myself. I gotta get. I gotta start. Uh, well, listen, delegating responsibility, right? Listen, I learned every single aspect of editing from having to do it myself because sometimes people are not as reliable as you want them to be or you expect them to be you know right or you right. are um hell yeah well uh let's take a look at one of these reels i will pull up the first one i see and then if we want to look at the uh the second one because it looks like the second one has berwin tompkins maybe i just got his last name right but we just talked to berwin on the podcast by the way so that was pretty cool um, but let's watch this video for folks that don't know. CBS 2. This is how you're legally supposed to transport marijuana in Illinois in a vehicle with cameras, GPS, and no rear windows or markings. But illegal deliveries are reportedly happening by those who are not following the rules. In fact, more than a dozen licensed cannabis transporters are now suing the state of Illinois. CBS 2's Charlie DeMar is live in the control room with the story. Charlie. And Joe and Erica, those licensed transporters say those images that you just saw are evidence of illegal transports. And without regulation and enforcement from the state, they say there really is no incentive from dispensaries and growers to use those licensed transporters. This camera's mounted in inside here. Noberto Brown has poured thousands of dollars into his truck. This is to accommodate all the products that will require refrigeration. He intended to legally transport marijuana throughout the state. So we had to do all these steps and then for us to come up zero. 
You haven't made a delivery with this truck? I haven't truck. made one delivery at all. Brown was one of the first to get a cannabis transporter license. He custom fit his truck to follow state guidelines. There's no back windows. It's equipped with cameras, GPS, and other safety features. Wow, like we were just blown because we doing all this stuff to become compliant. Transporter Berwyn Tompkins blown away over these pictures that he says prove marijuana transportation laws are being skirted with no consequence. Like this minivan apparently delivering cannabis and another drop off allegedly by a company without an operational license in a vehicle with rear windows. We do think it is a resource issue. Attorney Ryan Holes filed a lawsuit against the Illinois Department of Agriculture on behalf of 13 licensed transporters, accusing the state of failing to enforce its own rules surrounding cannabis transportation. You basically get the market undercut and the transporters who are compliant just really don't have any chance. We're bleeding money trying to stay afloat. I can't keep paying the licensing fee every year to, to make zero zero sales. Are you optimistic that things will change, that you know, that you can stay in business? I'm not optimistic at all. And those pictures you saw were entered as evidence in that lawsuit that was filed. And we asked the Department of Agriculture if they have issued any citations to transporters or for illegal transport transportation in the state at all. A spokesperson declined to comment, citing that pending litigation. We are live in the control room. I'm Charlie DeMar. CBS 2 News. Joe, Erica. Charlie, thanks. Uh, where do we want to start on this topic? Well, you know, um, I think it's something that had, had to have been done in order to get the word out there because sometimes one license holder, another license, it, it's hard to make, get your voice heard. So when you come together and, you know, you work towards a, a goal like this to get the word out, um, you know, it helps spread it a little bit better. And we have to, you know, we have things that are, you know, it's, it's tough. It's tough to be uh, operating in this environment. And there's nobody for us to even, you know, help us, uh, you know. So. So how did you catch, like, uh, so Berwin, he mentioned he was shown these photos and stuff. I'm curious, though, how did this, like, get brought to your attention? Well, um, I participate personally. It just, that's how it came to me is I participate in a a meeting, conference call meeting type, Zoom meeting type thing, where things come up like that. So I don't know exactly, you know, where the source was. But was it just like somebody like, dude, there are dispensaries that are fucking minivans are pulling up or like, is that how it came up or? Yeah, because, you know, you got to think about it. You know, for me, the way I look at it is, you know, that anybody could follow those vans and just jack them rob them, take them like an armored truck. You know, when they move money around, they have armored truck and armored, you know, guards and they have certain things. So a regular car with a, you know, uh, a tote full of cannabis and concentrates and gummies and stuff is worth a lot of money. You know, you, you know, you can't just be so vulnerable out there, you know? Yeah, I mean, I I guess what I will say is that I agree with you that if there are going to be rules, everybody should play by the same rules. That's what I'll say. Yeah. Because frankly, dude, I had this conversation with Berwin. I'm really conflicted with this story because on one hand, people are doing something wrong because they're playing by a different set of rules, right? That's an issue. But on the other hand, I think these regulations surrounding transport are fucking stupid. 
<laughs> just to be completely blunt. It's all type of, you know, uh, hoops that we have to jump through, legal, this, legal, that. It was so hard. And it was actually, I call it, it was soul draining, putting together the proposal and the application that you needed to get this license. And, you know, it was during the COVID time period and they extended a couple of times. And I personally, you know, at the time, I remember just like having to work on it, even when I had like, um, you know, um, I didn't have COVID, but I had like some lung asthma problems, you know, and I couldn't see the doctor because of whatever reason, you know, but I had to keep working because we had a deadline and it was, like I said, it was soul draining and all the different, you know, parking rules and this and zoning and it just, it was, it was crazy. Yeah. Do you, I mean, I know that this is easier said than done, but just hypothetically speaking, would you like be okay with a future that we don't have to do all this stupid shit because it seems like these are just barriers to entry. And if this was, if this program was set up for social equity, people like yourself that were affected by the war on drugs, then we would want it to be like as easy as possible. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, well, if you look at the uh, dispensary social equity lottery that just uh, closed a few weeks ago. That was a very easy entryway into getting a license permit for dispensary operation. Yeah. Step one, you know, step one. And just easy, for clarity, just, out. just for clarity, am I correct? And is, is, was that one easy because, um, I mean, let me just, again, feel free to correct me if I'm wrong, but I've heard that one was easier from the perspective of uh, applicants because they changed the process uh, so that it's cheaper, so that you could qualify differently. Am I correct? Was there other things, though, that from your perspective that made it easier? Well, well yeah, it was cheaper. It was, it was only $250. Um, you had to have certain different criteria that they opened up, made it easier for you to you know, be a qualified applicant. And then... Um, you know, once you get picked, then you do all the extra work that's related to the app, getting the application, not necessarily a, you know, 180 page uh, proposal booklet that you have to like pay $20,000 for, you know? Right. Yeah. Well, um, so I'm just curious, you know, uh, what, what is the lawsuit seeking? I guess I didn't even ask that now that I'm thinking about it with Berwin and I talked to Victoria as well. I don't know if you know Victoria Williams. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, I don't even think I asked or maybe they said it and I just kind of was like so lost in the details of some of these pictures and stuff. But what is the lawsuit seeking exactly? Like, well, we want to... Them- one of the things I know is that we want them to enforce the rules against even the big MSOs and big companies. They're doing whatever they want to do. And really, we have a bunch of uh, entrepreneurs that invested time, money, and did everything the right way that they were supposed to do and are available for, uh, you know, a little piece of work or some contracts, some business, you know, in order to build their businesses up, build their families up, and continue, you know, um, thriving from the cannabis business in Illinois. And that's basically the, what the backbone of the social equity uh, programs are supposed to be is that we're supposed to get a piece of 
the business, you know, not just the big corporations and the millionaires that already have the money to, you know, hire and do whatever they want. Yeah. Yeah. And I think another piece of social equity that, uh, because like you say, I think, so let me just recap what I just heard. You said, ideally, they would enforce the regulations as they exist. And that makes sense. That goes back to the idea that we were just talking about. There can't be a set of rules for one party, but not the other party. Like we're all playing by the same rules. So um, that's definitely agreeable. Um, I do think it's interesting and I'm curious what your perspective is as an oper operator. I've been trying to get this out there a little bit more. What do you think about the disparity in that if they did enforce this, which is ideally what you'd want, it would just be a set of fees versus if I did what they did, I would go to jail. Yeah. So you're saying they would get fines, right? Correct. They would get fines. I would get yeah. criminal penalties. Yeah. Well, that's really, that's really what this, you know, um, what they talk about the social justice reforms related to marijuana are all about is because something like that, you know, mm -hmm. um, and really, you know, I don't know about really wanting them to necessarily go to jail, you know, but if anybody else is possibly going to get that, you know, same harm, then, you know, they have to have that possible, you know, possibly have that over their head. Like, look, you're going to follow the rules or you're not going to follow the rules. And we have to put you in a category of what the law says, you know? Um, so, I mean, it's not hard to follow the rules, uh, you know, especially we went this far, you know, and th those companies like the MSOs and these operators, they already have a bunch of rules and regulations they have to abide by, you know? Yeah. So, sliding this in and following through on it, it just probably needs to connect properly or I don't know if they're trying to save money. Um, well, I think what's happening you know, here is just that these, again, I want to say, and I'm sorry for being a little blunt about it, but I think these rules are fucking stupid because on one hand, we're saying cannabis is safe, legal. We're all acknowledging it. Nobody dies from it. Um, it's, you know, in comparison to alcohol and cigarettes, it's safer. Meanwhile, our regulations surrounding cannabis in comparison to alcohol and cigarettes, we're treating this like it's a nuclear, like the report that we're talking about that I will add in post-production. It lays out some of the requirements, how you have to have it in two locked compartments and GPS. It's like you're transporting nuclear material. Exactly. And I think... Um... You know, a lot of that has probably, in my view, has to do with, um, first of all, weed is everywhere, right? It's, not, it's been everywhere for sale in every, basically every corner in Chicago, you know, and it's always has been practically. So um, the thing is, I think when they're transporting a lot, let's say you're transporting a half a million dollar load, right? Or let's say a hundred thousand dollar load, okay? you know, you kind of want that to be safe so it doesn't, all of it doesn't go into one hands of somebody, you know. So you want it to be so it's hard to steal or a little bit harder to steal than breaking your window and taking it out of the back of your car. Um, because then you got, uh, you know, that's going to be another thing like they do when they, you know, break into stores and stuff and it's going to be a continuous, you know, cycle. So it kind of needs to be when you're moving a lot of products, just like if you were the cartel moving product, 
They got people in a car in the front, they got people in a car in the back, and they got long rifles and all that. Just to make sure that that, that product, because there's a lot of money there involved, that it, and there's no insurance. I mean, there's insurance for, let's say us, as a trans- right, right. company, you know, very expensive, you know, 25, 30,000 a year at least, you know, but I don't think there's insurance, like if you lose your product from the, from the, um, you know, farm and the processor, I don't know about, you know, all that particularly, but does, uh, did El Chapo have insurance when he was moving stuff across the border? Yeah, he did. His insurance was guys with guns in front and behind and watching it and so and so. So, you know, we got to know that it can be easy if somebody really wanted to go into, you know, that business. There are already people that ask all they do is rob other drug dealers. So if they know the, uh, 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 a load is coming from Texas and they know about it, they're going to, you know, might have the, you know, the balls to, to try to take it, you know, just like if it was a box of a truckload of cigarettes or a truckload of furs, yeah, you know, like the back in the days, you know. Or like on the Fast and Furious movies where they steal a truck load of like exotic cars. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And cars might have VIN numbers and they can change them or not or whatever. But these things can get, you know, when you get, um, you know, let's say you get a load of cannabis and stuff, you can get rid of that in the streets like this. Yeah. But so, yeah, you I know. get your point in terms of like we want to comply with. And this is what a lot of people say about why the cannabis industry in Illinois is so regulated it's because it's an attempt to comply with what we know is the coal memo and i'm not just saying my own name it's federal guidance uh for how cannabis should be treated and part of that is making sure it's not diverted and so a lot of people take that to mean that it needs to be highly regulated um and i just wanted to share an interesting perspective if this starts to cut up again like it was last time please let me know and i'll add it in post-production let's try to watch this video together though Oh, my audio's down. There we Remember, go. Remember, in the eyes of the federal government, cannabis is still illegal. But the Illinois guidelines for transporting pot are much stricter than the federal rules for moving much more dangerous drugs. It was very casual. Um, all of the product would go into my personal vehicle in a, just a standard Coleman cooler. Cresco's logistics manager, Joseph Franks, told us he used to work for a major hospital transporting everything from chemotherapy drugs to prescription painkillers. Where would it be in the car? It would be in my back seat. The DEA's position on moving even the most abused drugs in America, opioids like OxyContin, is that licensees are simply responsible for getting them where they are supposed to go. The federal regs say all applicants and registrants shall provide effective controls and procedures to guard against theft and diversion of controlled substances. We do have uh, millions and millions of controlled substances that are moved through the system, through the mail, through UPS, through FedEx. Former DEA agent Jack Teitelman now works as a consultant on compliance with drug regulations. If you decide that you know your, your method of distribution is on the back of a bicycle and, a, and a, on a backpack because that fits into that neighborhood and you've never had an issue, then that might be the correct way of, of making that delivery into that neighborhood. 2811. That is not the case with marijuana in Illinois. Illinois is... Um. Uh, so back to your point of theft and diversion, it's interesting for for highly controlled substances. The feds simply ask, 
hey, do whatever you can do, whatever you can do to make sure there's no theft and diversion. They don't have all these hard requirements like we have with cannabis where it's like, you can't transport it unless you have a van that's unlabeled, that's GPS tracked and cameras and fucking whatever else that's required. Meanwhile, you can literally transport opioids on a bicycle. I know that's crazy. <laughs> so I ask that's you, <laughs> I ask you, do you think that we should, I, I figure your answer is yes. And this is rhetorical, but it's like, do you think we should reconsider all the shit we're doing? Cause I view all those things that I just listed out as barriers to entry for you and others that might want to be in the in industry. It's just a bunch of money when you could just deliver it on a bicycle, I guess. Yeah, I guess so. Um, you know, Illinois is a highly regulation type of state that wants to regulate every single aspect of your life um, to, and feed you this and feed you that and make you find you this and find you that and all type of stuff. So, you know, if they can really change, you know, their their mindset, then it would probably be easier for all of us to to work and and everything. Look at think about it. It's been how long since we've these applications. We've invested so much money into it, and they don't care that we don't have no operations going. They're still yeah. building us our annual fee, ten thousand dollars. You know, I was under the impression it was going to be social equity applicants are going to be half that amount. They say, no, this is the application. The annual fee is going to be $10,000 every every month. And we're still not bringing in any money and they don't care. And then there's another thing like I, they want us to require us to get connected with like, let's say, BioTrack, right? Right. BioTrack does not, I reached out to them about 10 times. I went to their contact page. I called them. I went on Instagram. I posted under underneath their pictures. I did DMs. I went on Twitter. I tried to do everything to get in contact with them over a period of like almost a year. And there's not one person cares or decides that they need to call back any of the leads, you know, or whatever, you know. So Same. these type of things are making, I mean, so hard. I mean, I can go to New York. Right. And I can set up a table in the park and I can sell top grade. So that's uh, that's actually what I'm asking, because, you you know, you mentioned it and I, you're absolutely right. The lawmakers need to change their attitudes. But I kind of am asking you as a as a licensee, because I feel like all the licensees attitudes are keep it controlled, keep all those regulations and uh, keep things the way they are. And I think Berwin even said uh, the control of it will allow the businesses to survive do you have that same attitude because because what you just said with new york i agree on yeah because the thing is they made everybody make a big investment to do this and you're talking about we're talking about social equity applicants that are you know we don't have uh funds that are ready to just invest millions of dollars and we don't have friends who can say, you want to put a million in? You want to put 500,000? You want to put a million in? Oh, your cousin wants to put half a million? We're going to make money. We don't have that. You know what I'm saying? So we have to go into our own blood to get money to put this together and make it happen, you know, to move forward. Not, you know, be drained, constantly getting drained of our money. And we're just trying to, you know, so with those regulations being intact, it's less people that are going to come into our business and spread out the business at this moment when we're still brand new and kind of need to like 
we got to get our foot off the ground. You know, we're not even in, in the break even close to. We don't even know what we're going to end in break even. You know. Yeah. You know, I'm going to put that. You know, we could put that money into something else. I would have made the money back by now. Yeah. Time it could it could have been Bitcoin. Who knows? You know, I'm just saying. You know, like it could have been a whatever. You know, a Tesla stock. I mean, we're sitting here with the money out there, and we're not getting anything in return. And not only that, the time, the energy, and like I said, soul draining. You know applications <laughs> oh yeah yeah and it's so um i guess another way to ask that question because you mentioned new york and i had again i agree with you do you do you agree with the approaches like oregon and michigan is taken for example because i feel like we the reason i'm asking that question before i let you tee off on it is because i feel like if we had to take an approach like that you would be in business right now well, explain to me, update me on what the difference is um, that we're talking about here for Oregon and Michigan. So I would say the, the core difference is that we, that Michigan and Oregon's approach made it as simple as you want a license, you buy a license. Here's your license. Good luck. And we made it like you want a license. Okay. Let's see if you fit our scorecard, which I'm not disagreeing with. Uh, I'm not saying we shouldn't have had like a way to qualify as social equity and a way to finance social equity. If that was the goal, I want to be very clear that I'm not saying I disagree with it, but there is a difference in that. Let me quote our own regulator uh, for the first dispensary license lounge uh, li licensing. I think she said there was something like 5,000 applications for what was going to be 75 licenses are you still there you're frozen oh you still there i think i lost I, you for a um, yeah we got frozen for a second yeah i'm here okay. now let me restate what i, yeah, was, I was, saying. was frozen um yeah. uh so our own regulator in the past had said there was 5,000 applications for what was going to be 75 dispensary licenses roughly i might be getting the numbers a little bit wrong but she said, we knew 95% of people weren't going to get them. But you contrast that with Oregon's approach, which I'll be candid in saying that most people point to Oregon as a failure because, because so many people were able to get licenses, the, prices of, the price of cannabis plunged, and then a lot of people went out of business. But my thing is, at least they had the chance. They knew what they were getting into, you know what I mean, versus Illinois where you don't even know if you have the chance. And if you get the chance, you better not fucking blow it. You know? Yeah. So well, I'm curious, what do you think? If, I would have went in this, if I had that situation in Illinois, I would have went and went towards the application for a dispensary. And I would have done what I had to do to make the dispensary work properly and make money. And 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 how low can it go? I mean, $15 for uh, eighth is what I've seen some stuff mm -hmm. go from at, at the store. Uh, let's say, um sunrise no sunny what's it called sunny side yeah sunny side you know what i'm saying so you know you gotta sometimes you gotta have some stuff that's 15 dollars, and you gotta get some high grade stuff that's even more and you gotta make people want it and you have a different variety and mm -hmm. you know so i mean competition is good and if some people get in for the wrong reasons too sure and they're just looking for money they don't care about the quality they got bugs all in their you know in their plants and you know so you know it happens but i know that i would have went after that you know license if i had the chance to 
And I think that's wrong that you had 5,000 people giving up, was it $10,000 or 30000 for the application? Something like that. For what? You know, just to lose it? You know? Right. And, you know, I would say, why, why not have as many as you can out there, you know, selling it? Many, many locations, because really, like I said, they're everywhere. I mean, there's weed all over the place. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's already always, happening, right? You, right. Has been. Right. Yeah. yeah you know how many, how many uh, open air bud spots that there are even right now, or that, you know, throughout the last 30, 40 years, they just grow a lot. What do you mean? I need two dubs. Boom. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know, so. Yeah. You know, it would have been, I think, you know, it, you make it easier, but, you know, Illinois doesn't want it to be easy. They don't want nothing to be easy. I look, that's the way I see, you know, and that's well said. If we can, if we go through and hit, jump through the hoops, then we need to be able to be able to have some type of benefit from it, you know? Yeah, I agree. Well, um, hey, man, I know that uh, you're going to be heading out to uh, movie night with the kiddo. So, uh, We'll get you out of here, but hey, Sleepy, I would love to have you back on. I took a brief look at your Instagram and saw some of the clips that you mentioned. I just got to thank you, man, for fighting for cannabis as long as you have and as openly as you have. You you kind of reminded me in a way. I was like, damn, I, how was I not aware of this guy? Because it was I could tell the videos were old, uh, uh, you know, older videos. It kind of reminded me of uh, Tommy Chong-esque activities because you were in the media broadcasting that you like cannabis during a time when it was illegal so i want to yeah. say thank you for your advocacy yeah thank you we, we we did a lot of things with tommy chong too on the man cow uh morning madhouse on q101 and that was when people were driving to work listening to us we're you know promoting it and you know it really really got the word out you know but these days i'm focusing on real estate stuff so uh, one thing i wanted to mention um is that i'm working on a development near 47th and Halstead that I'm doing a, uh, I have industrial land that I assembled about 22,000 square feet in which I can build a warehouse for cannabis growing, maybe small craft grows. And I'd like to build about four of them in the one building and provide spaces for uh, ap applicants that don't have a specific location or landlords that don't wanna cooperate and they want to set up small and they can go from one space to two spaces or more and then move on to beginning their own location in another place. Because a lot of times, you know, you have to have properties that are not, uh, you know, with loans on them that have federal loans because it's still not considered uh, legal federally. So you can't just have a property with a regular mortgage on it, you know. So I'm looking for uh, people that might have uh, problems with their, you know, locations for cannabis growing. And work something out with them so we can get them a location going. If anybody's out there, they can always reach out to me through my Instagram, which is at Sleepy Wicked. Hell yeah. And we'll have that in the podcast description, folks, if that makes it easier to find Sleepy on um, social media. I want to have you again. Uh, I want to have you on the show again. And maybe next time you're in Illinois, we can connect. Um, thank you. For, back tomorrow. But thank you for reaching you can out. Connect just to, just to smoke up a little bit. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, yeah, my office is downtown, but if you're ever downtown, I'm right, right across from the uh, city hall. Sweet. I'm not in Chicago often, but, uh, the summer is, is I'm more often found in Chicago in the summer. So, okay, <laughs> um, okay. so maybe we can make something happen. So, okay. No doubt. No doubt.
Cool. All right. Well, folks, I hope you found as much value in this episode as I did. Definitely check out Sleepy on Instagram. As I mentioned, you can get a look at his long, uh, proven track record of advocacy and cannabis. Thank you so much, Sleepy. And thank you, everybody that listened this far into this episode of the Chillin' Boy podcast. We'll see you in the next one. Take care.